Since the recent Dobbs decision, which overturned Roe v. Wade, companies have been impacted nationwide and have several new legal angles to consider as it relates to their employees and their businesses. With that in mind, we've created a new podcast series, Dobbs On Demand, designed to help you navigate this new and evolving landscape. We'll feature partners from our labor and employment, employee benefits, white collar, digital assets and data management, and healthcare practices as we break down the top issues and changes in law. I'm Amy Kotman, and you're listening to Baker Host. On this episode of Dobbs on Demand, we will discuss several legal perspectives that employers should consider in light of the Dobbs decision. Our guests today are Tracy Cole and Rachel Palmer Hooper, partners in our white collar practice and members of our Dobbs Decision Task Force. Welcome to the show, Tracy and Rachel. Thank you so much, Amy. It's wonderful to be here. Thanks, Amy. We know that Dobbs returned the regulation of abortion to the states. Rachel, in analyzing the current status of abortion law in the United States, what is the landscape? I first want to start out by saying this. Baker Hostetler has been on the front lines of determining the answer to this question. My colleague Tracy here, she comes from New York, a New York prosecutor. I'm a Houston former prosecutor. And together, we have come up with an analysis that we are using to analyze this important issue. There's a lot of uncertainty and a patchwork of laws that we're navigating. So really, we've boiled it down to six aspects of the law. First, what are the current laws? Is there a ban in place? Is it a six-week ban, an eight-week ban? In Texas, abortion is banned once fetal cardiac activity is detected. Second, are there trigger laws? In anticipation of Dobbs, 13 states passed trigger laws to prohibit abortions after Roe was struck down. Third, are there pre-Roe abortion laws, also known as zombie laws? Fourth, what do the state constitutions say? Fifth, is there new legislation? Some states are creating new laws to address abortion right now. And finally, what do the courts say? Are there legal challenges to these laws? That's the analysis that we've been working through. We find it best in order to find an answer to the landscape question. Tracy, do you have anything to add? I do. I wanted to add on to what Rachel said, because I think one of the advantages that Baker has in this area is that we have 17 offices across the country, and we are one of the biggest national focused within the United States firms. Um, So we have offices in states where abortion is legal, like in New York, and we have offices in Texas, Georgia, Ohio, and battleground states like that. So we are kind of uniquely situated to to look at these issues. Rachel, one question I had for you was the zombie laws. Is, is there a question about whether those are valid? Yes. There, specifically in Texas, there is a case pending about whether 
the pre-Roe abortion laws are valid. And so that is part of the analysis here is, are there pre-Roe abortion laws and do they apply or have they been overturned? And is there an argument about that? Dobbs overturned Roe v. Wade, a Texas case based on Texas abortion statutes. Rachel, what is the status of abortion law in Texas? That is a complicated question. But to me, the most important thing to remember is this. This analysis that we talked about in looking at the landscape, you've got to go through it with legal counsel. And so the answer to this question of the status of abortion law in Texas, my answer comes from lots of time that I've spent with people like Tracy and our team here at Baker Hostetler to try to understand an answer to this question. And in analyzing the abortion law in Texas, I look at four questions. The first is, what is an abortion in Texas? You have to look at Texas statutes. And in the Texas statutes, abortion is defined. It's a defined term. And so in the Texas Health and Safety Code, section 245.002, you can find that definition. But let me tell you what it does not include. Abortion is not birth control devices, oral contraceptives, miscarriage care, ectopic pregnancy care, or medical care with the intent to save or preserve the life of an unborn child. But Texas law also defines unborn child. And so you have to look at these definitions to figure out whether what you're looking for is there. And so I always start with the definitions and how abortion is defined in Texas. Then I look at what laws apply, what laws could apply. And that's where we talk about the zombie laws and the trigger laws. And there is an argument right now in the Texas Supreme Court about whether the pre-Roe abortion laws apply. And some say that the pre-Roe Texas statutes can't be enforced, that they've been repealed after Roe, and others say they can be enforced. In fact, the Texas legislature last session said in their the text of Senate Bill 8 that they find that the pre-Roe statutes have never been repealed. So it's important to look at the language and when determining what laws apply. But why are we so interested in these pre-Roe statutes? Why are they important? Let me tell you this. Article 4512.2 says this, whoever furnishes the means for procuring an abortion, knowing the purpose intended, is guilty as an accomplice. That furnishing the means language is real scary to a lot of people. And this is part of the zombie laws. And so that's why we're interested in, do the zombie laws still apply? It's important to note that no criminal charges have been filed under the 1925 law. 
And in Texas, the trigger law has not yet been activated. But once that happens, it's important to look at what laws apply. Third, who may not be prosecuted. In Texas, there is no penal code charge that can be brought against a woman whose conduct results in the death of her unborn child. We saw this earlier this year in a county called Star County in rural South Texas, where a 26-year-old woman, she went to the hospital and she was having complications related to a self-managed abortion. A nurse at the hospital reported her to law enforcement and in April, the woman was charged with murder. In fact, the district attorney in Stark County presented this murder charge to a grand jury and this young woman was indicted and arrested and held at a $500,000 bond. Days later, the Star County District Attorney dismissed the charges because Texas law specifically exempts someone who has an abortion from being prosecuted for murder. So important lesson here is that Texas law specifically exempts pregnant patients. Finally, what does the future hold? Well, the Texas Attorney General is bringing litigation we mentioned the Texas Supreme Court case. There's also litigation in Lubbock against the Biden administration. There are pro-life lawyers bringing Rule 202s. Those are pre-suit deposition requests. And so this is very important to look at the landscape ahead in Texas. What is this litigation look like? What is it based on? And finally, we're looking ahead to the Texas legislature. The 88th session bill filing begins November 14th. So Baker Hostetler is on the front lines looking at the litigation, looking at the legislation. Thanks, Rachel. Many entities operate across states, in some of which abortion is legal and in some of which it's criminal. Tracy, what are some of the issues those entities should consider? Sure. To echo Rachel, there is just a, a lot of uncertainty at this time within every state. If there's a, there's a patchwork of laws within the states and these entities that are trying to navigate various state laws also have to navigate federal laws and constitutional rights and state constitutional rights as they try to navigate these issues. So there's two buckets of people who are probably the most immediately affected. Healthcare entities are the most obvious and the most immediately impacted. They need to consider both the state laws, which carry you know, criminal risks, but also they need to consider federal laws. The Biden administration has been very assertive about its goal to protect access to abortion, and it has taken the position that state laws that interfere with its federal mandate are preempted. The HHS has already issued guidance to hospitals and to doctors that it considers emergency medical care to include, where necessary, abortion. So they have the right under the, the Emergency Medical Treatment and Active Labor Act, EMTALA, 
which is the law that requires healthcare providers to provide stabilizing treatment for an emergency medical condition. And they are interpreting that as requiring abortion care where that is necessary to stabilize an emergency medical condition as defined by EMTALA and not as defined by whatever state mandate exists that allows or criminalizes abortion. So to the extent, for example, that the Texas exception to abortion is narrower than the definition of an emergency medical condition under EMTALA, the Biden administration is stating that that is preempted and that the hospital and the doctor are required to provide that care and they risk losing federal benefits and they risk civil fines if they don't provide that care. Similarly, HHS has stated its position that refusing to fill a prescription based on gender or based on pregnancy status is discriminatory and violates federal laws. So there is a necessity to consider you're sort of between a rock and a hard place trying to navigate the federal and the state laws. The other big area that's being affected right now are employers that offer health care plans and employee benefit plans that offer benefits covering abortion services or that want to offer travel subsidies or lodging subsidies to make them available after Dobbs to allow pregnant people to access abortion services. The issue with those plans is that to the extent you are directing your conduct into a state where abortion is criminal, you may be subject to criminal liability. The other problem is that to the extent the crime itself is furnishing the means for an abortion, the simple act of offering a travel subsidy or lodging or some other financial aid in support of abortion could be argued as the criminal act. And Rachel, I know you said that there is some doubt as to whether the current law, the zombie law that has that limitation will remain valid. If it is reversed, will that end that issue? No, it will not because we have a legislative session coming and there are legislators that have promised that they will put forth bills that directly impact this furnishing the means type language. So we can expect to see that moving forward one way or another, in my opinion. And I would expect to see it in other states beyond Texas. And to the extent that we are not able to get a declaratory judgment in civil court about whether or not that is enforceable, this could remain an open issue for a while. So one key question is whether a state may control what benefits can be offered to employees under a benefit plan. Generally, federal law under ERISA preempts state law that is geared toward impacting employee benefit plans offered by private employers or by entities like unions. The problem is that ERISA does not preempt criminal laws of general applicability. So the question is going to be, are the kind of laws that we will likely be seeing post-Dobbs that are targeted at providing this sort of benefit, 
are those properly considered laws of general applicability, or are those the kind of laws that are directed toward an employee benefits plan and therefore preempted? We also might see Congress taking the position that they have an interstate commerce right to govern in this area and to preempt certain state laws. There is some precedent under the Freedom of Access to Clinics Entrances Act, which was a law enacted in the 90s to protect access to abortion. There is precedent uh, that Congress has found that there is a national market for abortion services and that Congress has the right to legislate to protect that market. Several entities already have been threatened with state criminal sanctions for providing funding or assistance with abortion services. As a closing question, Tracy, what are some of the issues companies in that situation should consider? The main takeaway here is that for any entity who is considering providing funding or assistance with abortion services, in a, in a state where these abortion services have been criminalized, is that they need to consult with counsel. Even if you have not yet been threatened with, with criminal sanctions, you have to expect the possibility that you may be. And this is a high profile issue, as we've seen. You should be consulting with uh, your employee benefits counsel, with white collar counsel. You should be considering employee privacy issues. These are all gonna be impacted because you are now entering an area where there is a threatened criminal action. So you need to consider the kind of issues that take place in any criminal action. For example, a company is not a person with Fifth Amendment rights. So a company doesn't have the right to refuse to produce documents generally. They can't assert the act of production privilege. So generally, you will need to produce documents and you're going to need to strategize with counsel about how to limit that document production, how to object to requests, and how to protect the privacy to the extent that you can of your employees and your own entity. You're going to need to consider the precise criminal statute that is at issue. Remember that if a crime is not a crime where it is occurring, it will be difficult for them to show that you have derivative liability. In other words, I can't conspire to commit a crime with someone if where the crime happens, it's not actually a crime. There, if there is no crime, it's not a criminal conspiracy. And this is especially true if the woman or the pregnant person is not a criminal, it may limit right, where an actual crime is happening. That said, to the extent furnishing the means of an abortion is itself the crime, that defense is less helpful. But it's going to be up to counsel and you to strategize how to address these issues and how to protect the company and your employees. Thanks so much for joining us today, Tracy and Rachel. Amy, thank you so much for having us. Thank you. If you have any questions for Tracy and Rachel, their contact information is in the show notes. For more information on the impact of the Dobbs decision, visit the Post Row Resource Center on bakerlaw.com and check out all Dobbs On Demand episodes by subscribing to Baker Hosts wherever you get your podcasts. 
Tune in to our next episode where attorneys from our digital assets and data management practice will discuss steps the Federal Trade Commission and Department of Health and Human Services Office for Civil Rights are taking in the wake of the Dobbs decision to protect consumer and patient privacy regarding healthcare and health information. As always, thanks for listening to Baker Hosts. Comments heard on Baker Hosts are for informational purposes and should not be construed as legal advice regarding any specific facts or circumstances. Listeners should not act upon the information provided on Baker Hosts without first consulting with a lawyer directly. The opinions expressed on Baker Hosts are those of participants appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect those of the firm. For more information about our practices and experience, please visit bakerlaw.com.